we were driving, as a, as a family, we were driving from one event to another event, and it was about lunchtime, and we had some ideas of lunch, and we were passing this place that there was a bounce house out, outside, and, and it was a business, and it looked like, well, it looked like the, there was kids having fun, and we thought, well, let's just see what this is all about. <laughs> and so we went to this place, the kids jumped in the bounce houses, they played in the, with the with the carnival games for a little bit, and we found out that, that, that there was a free lunch. And so we're like, oh, okay. <laughs> free lunch and a Kona ice for the kids. And, you know, so there was, we were really grateful yesterday, and we just felt like that was some unexpected provision. You know, we, we didn't need to find this lunch, but we just felt like very blessed that God gave us this opportunity that we could just enjoy this, this uh, lunch together as a family. And, and, uh, and I, I was thinking about that because as we, as we jump into Ruth chapter 2 today, and I want to encourage you to open your Bibles to Ruth chapter 2, Ruth 1 left us in a place where Ruth was desperate. Ruth and Naomi, they were desperate now, the backstory in, in Ruth 1 was that Elimelech moved his family outside of, of Judah into Moab, a place that's not known for good things, that kind of outside of God's protection. And, when he, and he did that, it seemed like, for a good reason, right? He did that because there was a famine. He was trying to help his family stay alive. But as... As they were there, he died, both of his sons married, and, they, and then both of the sons died. And so Naomi was left with two daughters-in-law, no husband, and no sons. And so she, wants, she finds out that there's now a harvest that's happening back in, in Bethlehem of Judea. And so she wants to go, and so she brings, at first she brings both her daughters-in-laws, and then she realizes wait a minute, you're not going to be accepted where, I am, where I'm from. You're, you're, a, you're going to be a foreigner. And so she says, you guys stay back. You find, find new husbands. Enjoy your life. And Ruth said no. Ruth said, I'm going to be with you wherever you go. Whatever you believe is what I want to believe. Who your God is, is my God. And we're going to see that today in Ruth 2. And we saw last week that, that Naomi was bitter. She, re, she realized that there was a lot of things that were going against her in her life, and so she was bitter. She, she was bitter not just at random things. She was bitter at God. She, was, she brought her bitterness, and she knew that what she... that she, she knew God was a faithful God. She knew that God was merciful, but in her life right then, she was bitter. And so that's kind of where Ruth chapter 1 ends. And I should have said this, but if you're not sure where Ruth is in the Bible, it's, it's in the Old Testament right after uh, the five books of the, 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 the law, and then after Joshua and Judges. So I think it's the eighth book of the Bible in the Old Testament, so it's kind of near the beginning of your Bible. And Ruth 
is just a very short book of the Bible. It's only four chapters, and we're going to cover that in about four weeks. But we, we see the time place of Ruth is in the time of the Judges. And in the time of the Judges, there was all kinds of, of people... Of the people of Israel were back and forth on what they believed about God. Were they putting it into practice or not? Do they really believe in the one true God? Do they really trust the one true God or not? And often it was not. And that's why lots of bad things happened to get the attention of the Israelites. So in Ruth chapter 2, let's read the first few verses here. It says, Now Naomi had a relative. On her husband's side, a man of standing in the clan of Elimelech, that's her husband, and his name was Boaz. Now, keep in mind, this is just a little, this is for us to know, this isn't that Ruth knows this, okay? And then in verse 2 it says, And Ruth the Moabite said to Naomi, Let me, let me go to the fields and pick up the leftover grain behind if anyone in whose eyes I find favor. And what I just want to note about this is that, is that Ruth already knew the laws. I don't know how she knew this, but she already knew that, that God had had a law in, in Leviticus, and he had told, the, told the, the owners of fields to not harvest every bit of your field. Now, I haven't asked any of the farmers here if we still do that kind of thing, but I'm, I guess is we, we, are, we show our generosity in other ways. Um, not in the same way that they did then. But these, these farmers would leave just a little bit left over for the widow, for the poor, for the people that, that needed some food. And so it was kind of God's way of, of looking out for people, God's way of still blessing people that needed those resources, that needed food. And so Ruth knew this. And, and Naomi said to her, Go ahead, my daughter. And so she went out and entered the field, and she began to glean behind the harvesters. Now, as it turned out, she was working in a field belonging to Boaz, who was from the clan of Elimelech. Now, I, I want you just to, in the NIV it says here, it says, as it turned out. Can we just say that? As it turned out. Because as it turned out, that's, that's God working in the backgrounds. And often, that's what he's doing in our life too. As it turned out, it just so happened. You know, a lot of times people say, oh, that was a coincidence. And it, it could have been. But I believe it was God. I believe it was the Lord putting Ruth in the right place at the right time. And so as it turned out, she was there. And then in verse 4 it says, Then Boaz, arriving from Bethlehem, or just then, Boaz arrived from Bethlehem, and he greeted his harvesters. He said, The Lord be with you. And they answered, The Lord bless you. And so Boaz asked the overseers of the harvest, harvesters, Who does this, that young woman belong to? And the overseer replied, She is a Moabite who came back from Moab with Naomi. She said, let me glean and gather among the sheaves behind the harvesters. And she came into the field and she has remained here until, from morning until now. 
except for a short rest in the shelter. So we see here that Ruth takes action. She is in need, and she already trusts that her God, Naomi's God, is going to provide for them. She sees that there's, there's a field that they're, they're harvesting, and they're going to leave some behind, so she goes. And it just so happened, it wasn't just that it was Boaz's field, but it just so happened also that Boaz was there. And Boaz, it just so happened that Boaz noticed this woman. And it just so happened that already the overseers of the harvesters, they, they knew her story already. They must have asked her. And so all these things are just so happening. Just, it just so happened. And we can see that God is working in this background. But we can see right away at the beginning of this story is that Ruth and Naomi, they were in need. They were in need of rescue. They were in need of provision. They were in need. And so that's, that's what we are, we're started with in this, in this part, is that they were in need. They didn't have husbands, which at that time, when you didn't have a husband, especially if you were a widow, you were, you were left to try to figure out life. You were left to try to figure out provision. It was not a good situation. These women didn't have money. They didn't have food. They didn't even have jobs. They had no way to, to provide for themselves. And Ruth took that action. She went to find food. But you know what? I think we are all similar to Ruth and Naomi. Not maybe in the same sense where we've lost loved ones. But I, I believe we are all in need of rescue. We are all in great poverty. Now, maybe that doesn't look like physical poverty, but we are all in, in need of rescue. And I don't know if, if you guys saw this news story. I forget what year it was. Maybe 2014 is my guess. But there was a soccer team in Thailand, 13 kids, that went and played after their soccer practice. They went and played in a cave. And while they're in this cave, it, it started raining. And the cave was flooded. And they were trapped in this cave. They were so deep down in this cave. We watched a documentary about this recently, and it was pretty, pretty intense. I think it's called 13 Alive. Is that right? It kind of gives it away, but it's, it's good to give it away when you find out 13 are going to make it. But 13 Alive, and these... These guys, they were, there was no possible way that they could be saved. There was no possible way on their own that they could be saved. They were in trouble. The waters were so high and they were just in a, a spot of the cave where they, they were safe, but they were running out of oxygen. They didn't have food. Now they had water, but, so that was good for them. But they, they didn't have things, what they needed to live on. There was no possible way that they could save themselves. And I think that's where we are. We are in a place in our sin where there's no possible way that we can save ourselves. And I actually, it's not that I think it, I know it. We cannot do good things that will count us good enough, righteous enough to go to heaven. We cannot save ourselves. We are in a situation where we are hopeless 
and we are needing rescue. We can't change our status in our greatest need possible, being freed from our sin. And so I just want you to think about that tension right now. Just think about, is that, where am I? You know, Don preached last week, Don Patterson, he was here and he preached that there's no gray area. You're either, you've either accepted Jesus and you're living on a path with him or you haven't. And you're destined for eternity without Jesus. There's, there's no middle ground. You're either all in with Jesus or you're not. So Ruth was desperate. And, and we see here, back to, to Ruth chapter 2, we see that, that Boaz noticed Ruth. And so then he went to ask her in, in verse 8, Boaz goes up to Ruth and says, My daughter, listen to me. Don't go and glean in another field, and don't go away from here. Stay here with the women who work for me. Watch the, watch the field where the men are harvesting and follow along after the women. I have told the men not to lay a hand on you. And wherever you are thirsty, whenever you're thirsty, go and get a drink from the water. That the, the water jars that the men have filled. And so, first of all, here, he is giving her a blessing. He is giving her an unexpected provision. He's giving her something that, that she's surprised. First of all, he says, stay here in this field, glean here. I'm going to provide for you all that you need. Don't go somewhere else. Stay in my protection. Now, why do you think she needed protection? It, it was, maybe it was a dangerous place. We know as a, as a foreigner, Ruth wasn't known by people. And so there was a lot of potential of, of problems that she could have in her life, or not just in her life, but right then in the field. Whether people would say, hey, no, this, this is Israelite law for Israelites, go away. You know, this is, this is God protecting our people, you're not part of our people. And maybe that's just the passive way, but maybe there was even more that would harm her. And so he said, stay here, and I'm going to make sure people know that, that you're okay, you're allowed to be here. I'm going to provide for you. And, it, and, and I've even told my men not to lay a hand on you. I, I feel like he shouldn't have to say that, but you know, he's still letting her know that. No, you're going to be safe here. And even when you're thirsty, we have water for you. At this point, verse 10, Ruth bowed down and, with her face to the ground, and she asked him, Why have I found such favor in your eyes that you notice me? And notice what she says here, a foreigner. You've noticed me. You're having mercy on me. I, I'm not deserving. I'm not part of this Israelite family. But you're showing favor and kindness to me. Why are you doing this? And so he replies, he says, I've been told all about what you've done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband and how you left your father and mother and your homeland and you came to live in a people or with a people that you did not know. And so he re he's here recognizing the sacrifice that she gave up. She could have gone back to her family. She could have gone back and, and had a life 
in Moab. But she chose to show kindness. To the loving kindness. This, we talked about a couple weeks ago, hesed. The kindness, the loving kindness of the Lord. She showed that to her mother-in-law, Naomi. Not to her mother and father and her family, but to her mother-in-law. And so, Boaz, Boaz is telling her, I have heard about you. And then he says in verse 12, May the Lord repay you for what you've done. May you be richly rewarded by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. So he's giving her this blessing. This blessing that you're going to be richly rewarded. And that God's going to take care of you. And he says, all right, sorry, and then Ruth says in verse 13, May I continue to find favor in your eyes, my Lord. You have put me at ease by speaking kindly to your servant, though I do not have the standing of one of your servants. So again, she's saying, thank you. I, I know I'm not, one of your, I'm not one of your helpers. I'm not anybody that's involved here, but you are showing mercy and kindness to me, and thank you for showing your, your favor to me. And the meantime, so in verse, verse 13, uh, I'm sorry, verse 14, it says, at the, at the meantime, Boaz said to her, come over here and have some bread and dip it in wine vinegar. And at, at mealtime, sorry, that was at mealtime. And, and she sat down with the harvesters and he offered her some of the roasted grain. And she ate all that she had, all that she wanted, and she had leftovers. And she got up to glean but Boaz gave orders to his, her, his men, let her gather among the sheaves and don't reprimand her. Even pull out some of the stalks for her from the bundles and leave them to the place for her to pick up and don't rebuke her. So, so Ruth gleaned the field until evening and she threshed the barley when she gathered and and it amounted to be an ephod, which that says it's about 30 pounds. And she came back, she came back, and when she came back to town, her mother-in-law said how much she had gathered, and Ruth also had brought her out and gave her what she had left over, and after they had eaten enough. So here is this picture. Not only is Boaz providing for her, not only is he saying you can, you can have stuff, you can have protection, he's also offering her food. He's giving her a meal. He's already given her water to drink. Which sometimes when we think water to drink, that, does, that doesn't sound exciting. Water. But fresh water when you're out in the sun, I mean, we know. In the summer, we're out working, we start craving that water. If we don't have enough water, we, we're going to do about anything to get that water. And so he gave her water. He gave her food. And, and she, get, she ate all that she wanted. And she even then saved some for her mother-in-law. And not only that, did he give her what she needed right then. He told his, his people, hey, give her extra. Leave some for her. Not just the normal amount. Give her some more. And don't give her a hard time. I liked that in that, the video we showed last week with the kids. 
they, they're like, whoop, whoop, just like leave, leaving more. And, and I don't know if she's like, huh, this is interesting. That there's more here. <laughs> but they, she's getting more and more. And so Boaz, Boaz helped her in a great way. When Ruth and Naomi were experiencing hunger, when they were needing rescue, they got an unexpected provision from Boaz. He, he met their physical needs. He gave a meal. He gave protection. He gave kindness. He gave all the food that they, she needed. I mean, 30 pounds of food, that was, someone had in here, uh, someone I was looking at that, when I was studying this, it said it would be about a month and a half. That would supply two people for a month and a half. So he gave them, he gave her so much food that she didn't even need to come back for a while. Now, what's interesting, he could have given her even more and more because he had it all. He had the field. But he gave her just enough and more. He just wanted to show her that kindness and an unexpected provision. Now, I see that, that Boaz is a picture of Christ. Christ accepts us when we have nothing. He gives us kindness. He blesses us, even when we have no way to repay. He gives an undeserved kindness. And the Lord gives us an abundance of our greatest need that we have. It's our greatest need is sin, or to be rescued from sin. And so Boaz here, even though Boaz was providing for Ruth, and for Naomi, it was really that the Lord was providing. The Lord, it just so happened to put her in that spot. It just so happened that he was there. It just so happened that everything lined up to, to Ruth having this unexpected provision. And even if you think about it too, this, this wealthy, successful man, he spoke directly to a poor widow, a foreigner. God, the God of the universe, holy and justice, mighty. He speaks to us, lowly people that don't turn to Him often, that don't run to Him, that continue to live a life that we want instead of the life that He has for us. But God, in His mercy, He came and He, he died for us. God sent, the Father sent His Son, Jesus, to take the place that we deserved, to die on the cross. There was no possible way that we could be freed. There was no possible way that we could get over this problem with sin. We needed rescue, just like these guys in the cave. They needed rescue. There was no possible way they were going to get out. But if you watch the documentary, or I think there's even a movie about it too, 13 Alive, it takes these, these divers from all over the world that specialize in, in diving, and they dive way, I mean, it takes them hours and hours and hours of, getting, of swimming to them. And after hours of swimming to them, they, they, the first guy makes it, and the, the people, the kids of the soccer team and their coach, they're so excited that someone has found them, because they didn't even know if anybody, I mean, they just probably assumed that they were 
they knew they were missing. <laughs> they, they probably figured out that maybe they were in the cave because their bikes were all up there and stuff at the, at, at the mouth of the cave. But they didn't know. Is anybody coming to help us? Is anyone going to rescue us? And that guy showed up. He showed up. Now, what's interesting is he didn't, he didn't actually rescue them. He showed up to give them supplies, to give them what they needed, to help them, to, to see how many were still alive. And he was surprised that all 13 were still alive. And this had been maybe two weeks. And so, he, and so it took him a good, I forget if it was another like five or six hours, of him swimming back very carefully through these narrow passages in this cave and getting back and just being able to report what happened. Just giving that good news, telling the families, these guys are still alive. And so then they had to devise a plan, and I don't want to give away the, the whole story, but the plan was that they saved them. And there was a casualty involved, and it was one of the divers. And so it wasn't an easy operation. But they had no chance on their own. They had no chance of getting out because they didn't have the equipment. They didn't have the skill of, of going through. They didn't have a way to... They couldn't hold their breath for you know, more than a, a few minutes. There was no possible way they could be saved. And that's where we are too. We had no possible way of being saved. Ruth had no way to be saved. And so what she did was she took action. Now, taking action, what she did was still not saving her. It wasn't that she did all these things that saved her. She took action and God put her in the right place. God put her in the field of Boaz. Now let's see what how this chapter ends here. In verse 19, Naomi says to her, so where did you glean today and where did you work? Because she sees that she has this huge bag of, of food. And so she wants to know. And then she said, blessed is the man who took notice of you. She's like, there's no way that you just happened to come back with this much food. Blessed is the person that blessed you. And then Ruth told her mother-in-law about the, the one at whose place she had been working. And she said, the name of the man I worked with today is Boaz, she said. And I don't know if, like, how the reaction of Naomi was here. I don't know if she had this huge smile on her face, like, Boaz? Hey, we know Boaz. And so she said, but right away she said, the Lord bless him. Now, she, already blessed, she was already saying blessing to, to Boaz even before she knew who it was. But she said, that man is our close relative. He is one of our guardian redeemers. We're going to find out a lot of this in chapter 3. But he's one that can help us more than just for a little bit. And then Ruth, the Moabite, there um, noted, uh, said, he even said to me, stay with me my workers until they have finished harvesting all the grain. And so she's giving more of this report that this man, Boaz, is, has, has been a blessing and wants to provide for them this unexpected provision. And so in verse 22, Naomi said, It will be good for you, my daughter, to go with the women who work for him because 
in someone else's field, you might be harmed. Remember that protection that he's providing? You might be harmed somewhere else. And so Ruth stayed close to the women of Boaz and to glean until the barley and wheat harvests were finished. And she lived with her mother-in-law. And, and we're going to find out more about this, this kinsman, the redeemer. But, but Ruth needed provision. And the Lord provided for her. The Lord used this great man, this, this wealthy man. And we are all in need of rescue from this great wealthy man. This man of Jesus Christ. Not wealthy in the standards of the world today. Not with riches. We saw Jesus, he came to live in a poor family. Growing up, growing up in a little town, they didn't have a lot of money. He worked with his hands. He was a carpenter. He learned from his dad. And, and Jesus, the maker of heaven and earth, in the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, and, and God the Spirit, they sent Jesus to come. And, and he's the one that even though he had it all, he left and came to provide for us. He came to provide abundantly for us. All that we needed, all that we do need, Jesus provides. Jesus provides us with abundant life. We are in need of rescue, and the Lord graciously provides rescue from our sin. But we have a choice. We can take it or leave it. We can choose to accept the abundant, the abundant blessing, the provision that the Lord blessed us with. But we don't have to. It's our choice. He doesn't force us. I heard on the radio this week that there was this, this they, were, they were asking for people to share the faithfulness that God has had in their life. And this lady said that they're, their family was growing and they didn't have, really the kids were getting too big to, to fit comfortably in the, in the seats of their car. And, and so the, they, were, they were starting to pray about getting a, a minivan. And so they had been praying about it and they had been fundraising and they had been trying to save money. And they were thankful that they saved some money. But it was nowhere close to what they needed. And they, they thought, well, we tried, but then their car broke down. And the car broke down, and so they had to put all that money into repairing the car. And so they were sad that their dream of getting this van was, was over. But they kept trusting the Lord about this. And it just so happened that there was a man that came up to this woman and said, are you guys still fundraising for a new van? And she said, well, we want the new van, or we want this van, but you know, we had to put all the money towards the repair of the car. And he said, you know, my wife and I had been, we have this extra vehicle, and we just have really felt strongly by the Lord that we're supposed to give you our van. And so the Lord, Lord provides. The Lord provides when we trust him. 
Now, that doesn't mean everything that we want we're going to get. But the Lord provides an unexpected provision. When we need what we need, He provides for us. So I want to just ask you this question as we close. What provision or provisions are you seeking from the Lord? What are you seeking the Lord for your provision? Because He cares for you. Whatever it is, let's trust Him. And let's not cling to the provision. Let's not cling to that, but let's cling to the one who gives and the one that provides. And whatever the gift is, whatever He gives us, we're going to be thankful for. And even though He could give us all the money that we need the rest of our life right now, because He can, He usually doesn't work that way. He could, so you can pray that. <laughs> but He wants us to keep coming back. Just like Boaz, He wanted Ruth to keep coming back. He wanted to, to give her this unexpected blessing, but He wanted her to keep coming back to receive more from Him from his field. And we're going to sing about the overwhelming, never-ending, reckless love of God. The, the, the God that chases us, leaves the 99, finds a way to go into that cave and rescue, save us when we had no chance of rescue on our own. So let's pray. Jesus, I thank you that you give your unexpected provision. We thank you that you are the God who has it all. And you're the God that wants to bless. You're the God that wants us to trust you no matter what. We thank you for this example of Ruth and the provision that you provided to her. And Lord, I pray that we would trust you in, in whatever provision that we lack, in whatever provision we need. Lord, we thank you for your said, your faithful, loving kindness. Thank you that you don't give up on us. And when we don't deserve it, you still come to our rescue. Help us to, to go to you with all that we need. In Jesus' name, amen.